Welcome back to Two Keto Dudes. This is Carl Franklin from Connecticut. You know, I went keto in 2016 to reverse diabetes, type 2 that is, and also to lose weight, of course. It's my mission to spread the science of keto and to show the world how cooking is necessary for keto success. Oh, and we love eating fantastic food. That's what we're all about, isn't it, Carrie? I am all about the fantastic food, Carl. Yep. And I am Carrie Brown. And I also live in Connecticut, just a different part to Carl. I'm a trained pastry chef who went keto to control and eventually eliminate symptoms from bipolar 2 disorder and depression. I take no medications, I have no symptoms, and it's my mission to show the world that keto food is not only delicious, but it can be better than any other kind of food you've ever had. Mm-hmm. And this show is a document of our experiences thriving for years in nutritional ketosis. And also our experiences reversing diabetes and depression and feeling better than we ever have before. And hopefully that might help a few people who are curious about this kind of dietary hacking. Now, we are not doctors, so we do not give out any medical advice. Right. We just want to share our experiences and review the research that supports it. Oh, and boy, howdy, was our event, Keto Fest 2019, <laughs> totally epic. Yeah. And we're already excited for Keto Fest 2020. That is our event, Keto Fest. And, you know, on this podcast, we share our recipes and, of course, any science we find in the show notes at twoketodudes.com. My favorite parts, the recipes. So let's start podcast 180. Can you believe it? 180 episodes of awesome. And this might be the awesomest yet. Yeah, it's called Thriving After Brain Cancer with Andrew Scarborough. Now, before we get started with this incredible human being, let's explain in plain English what a ketogenic diet is. Right. So that's any diet that puts you into a state of ketosis. And that's where you're burning fat for energy rather than glucose. And the way we did it was to limit our carbs to 20 grams or less every day, enjoy a moderate amount of protein, one to one and a half grams per kilogram of lean body mass, and all our energy comes from fat. Fat? Fat, fatty, fat, 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 fat. Yes. If you're just starting, listen to our starting keto show at start.2keto.com or just start listening from episode one. Well, Carrie, how was your week? I really haven't honestly, literally talked to you in a week. How have you been? It's been an incredibly busy week or two, actually, because um, right. we had Keto Fest and Keto Fest was absolutely amazing and I cannot wait for next year. It was our best one ever. It was fabulous. It was a mm. lot of work. It was a lot of fun. The community is brilliant and it was just so good. Not just connecting with all of our favorite speakers, uh, you know, Dave Feldman and Siobhan, Amber and Dr. Feynman and and Dr. Stephen Finney, right? I yeah, mean, it that was, was just, a great show, it, huh? It was so, so cool to be able to spend time with these people in a in a uh, a more natural environment, in a right. social space. I remember Sean Baker coming up to me at the after party for the staff and the speakers and saying, 
this event was unlike any other keto conference I've ever been to. It, it felt more intimate and and just more real, like it was more social, you know? If I had a dollar for every time somebody came up to me and said, Keto Fest is my favorite conference, mm. I'd be able to take everybody out to lunch. Yep. <laughs> it was really, it was fabulous. And um, huge thanks to everybody who supported us, the speakers, the the podcasters who came to record podcasts live in front of an audience, yep. the the people who cooked in front of people for demos to help them see how to do stuff, yeah. the volunteers, RD86, the, we had the best vendors, just everybody and everybody who came and hung out and supported us and hugged us. And it was just a brilliant event and we're incredibly grateful. So and there's an army of people who we need to thank. Unfortunately, we don't have that army list in front of us right now, but next week I promise we will give them all personal thanks. Anyway, so that was a large part of my last couple of weeks, but there were a couple of other things that were big in my life. Mm. One of them was that right before Keto Fest, my father died. Yeah, that was hard on you. So that was hard and it's still hard, but um, Keto Fest, the sea of, of people and love that Keto Fest was really kind of carried me through that. So that was also incredible, very humbling experience. You're sort of glossing over that, Carrie, but I really want I really want to talk about this for a second, if you don't mind. You um, sort of shut down for a few days after your your father died. You really didn't know what to do. And it's totally understandable. And then you're like, you're thinking you wanted to go back to England. You needed to get away from Keto Fest. How can I possibly do this when, you know, I need to go support my family? And then you had this realization that, no, Keto Fest is exactly what I need at this moment to be with my people, with my tribe, Right. That, that is exactly right. I did have the first couple of days um, when, I heard, when I heard that my father had died, I was like, this could not have come at a worse time. A keto mm. fest is in five days. I've got to perform. I've got to do all these things. And, and so that was really, really hard for me. But after about the second day, I suddenly realized that this was the only weekend of the entire year where hundreds of people who love Carl and I and love what we do were actually coming to my town and mm. they were going to love on me, they were going to love on us and they were going to help me through it. So actually it turned out that uh, Keto Fest, the timing could not have been more perfect and I'm incredibly grateful to everybody who just, you know, lifted me up and carried me through um, what was something that was very, very hard to deal with. And I think there's a lesson there, not just in the keto community, but in, in life that, you know, whenever you get anxious or stressed, it's being with people that really helps you and being with people, your friends, your, your family, the, the, um, the immediate response or the reaction is to shut down and be alone. But it's literally go do something for somebody, go be with people, just find your tribe, and uh, and and it really is a good thing. So I'm I was really proud that you did that, and uh, everybody loved you for it, of course. It, it was it was really magical in terms mm. of the the sense of healing. I mean, we had 
people that I've never met, people who we've interacted with online, but people who I've never met turned up at the the VIP party with cards for me and flowers and mm. more hugging than I've ever done in one three-day period before. It just, it really was very special. We have a very, very special community in our keto community. And and it, it really made me realize how special this is. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks to everybody. It was amazing. So now there was another couple of exciting things that happened, one of which was Mr. Franklin has been working on his ketoki fried chicken recipe, which everybody thought couldn't be any better, but he worked on it. And let me tell you, it is better because I got the secret invitation to go try his latest uh, iteration. And the chicken is moister. It's got that magical Kentucky fried chicken moistness that you never get anywhere else. And um, yeah, so this iteration is better, his best yet. Yeah. Thank you, Carrie. The secret was to use the sous vide to cook or par cook the chicken at 155 for about three hours and then take it out and coat it and deep fry it on the highest possible setting. Um, my my fryers only go up to 375, but if you have a fryer that goes to 400, that would be good. And of course, we use the standard breading that we always fry with, which is pork rinds that are ground up with some Monterey Jack cheese and uh, all the spices that uh, the colonel uses. Uh, um, and, and that really works out. But we still have this problem of the batter falling off. So in the interim between now and August 18th, which is the next meetup at my house, Ketoki Fried Chicken Meetup, I'm going to try to make that stick. I'm going to try to make a wet batter that sticks. So look for that. I cannot wait to see if you nail that in the next couple of weeks. I hope I can. So one more thing, which is the cutest thing of my last two weeks, is that I have been adopted again. You'll know that Priscilla adopted me a month ago. Well, Mm -hmm. Ermintrude adopted me last weekend. So there are now two little balls of fluff roaring around my home now. All right, literally kittens. We have to make sure that people know what little balls of fluff mean. Yes, so uh, we now have two kittens. We have uh, Priscilla, who is now 14 weeks old, and we have Ermintrude, who's 10 weeks old. She's very small, she's black and white, and she's the most adorable thing ever. I'm almost jealous because you get more comments and likes on your kitten pictures on Facebook than we do about keto. But uh, where does the name Ermintrude come from? So Ermintrude, actually all my cats, apart from Priscilla, are named after characters on a cult British kids show called The Magic Roundabout. So if you Google The Magic Roundabout Road Signs, you will you will be able to watch a five minute episode that introduces pretty much all the characters um, in the entire show, and I have I have or have had a cat named after just about everybody. That's awesome. So, what about you, Carl? I've had a busy time, but I think yours has been busier. 
Oh my God. Well, just in the immediate uh, last four days, I've done three gigs. And by gigs, I'm a musician and I play in a band. It's a Steely Dan tribute band now. But uh, I also play solo acoustic. I've been playing for years and years and years since I was 10 years old. And I'm 52 now, so you can do the math. I did a solo gig on Thursday. I hosted a concert and did sound at Pop Studios, my studio, which is at pop.com. And that was with Sarah Grace and Braden Sunshine, both of which were semi-finalists on The Voice, all right? So Sarah Grace was a recent semi-finalist. She's a blues and soul singer. She's 16 years old. She was amazing. Braden Sunshine is uh, 19 now, but he was on The Voice and got to the semifinals when he was 15. And we actually had Braden and his band and Mr. Franklin came yeah. and played live uh, over the lunch break at Keto Fest, and it right. was fabulous. People absolutely loved it. And what yeah. a talented bunch of people we had with us. So the best moment, and I recorded the whole thing. We got video, and I did a multi-track recording at the, the concert. So the best thing that happened that night was a little back and forth between Sarah and Braden when they did Tennessee Whiskey, and it it was so good. I just, I, I can't even, uh, there was not a dry eye in the place. It was so good. Anyway, that aside, um, I, I, I need to make a couple announcements. One is that the Bazoodles Cookbook email went out to everybody who pre-ordered it on July 9th, but I got um, a lot of emails that, you know, they didn't get it, the email. So uh, in checking, it apparently went to everybody's spam folder, and I don't know why. Who knows, right? I may have used... So too many exclamation marks in the subject. I don't know. Maybe because there was a link in the, you know, I have no idea. But anyway, if you look in your spam folder, people who ordered the cookbook and didn't get it, or you could just get your receipt that you uh, got from our website when you ordered it, click the download button, follow the links. There's a checkbox there where you have to agree to pay something, even though you've already paid, just check it. You won't be charged again. Follow the link and you'll be able to download it. Um, there's a new version coming soon. I know I promised the first week in August, but it's been a crazy, crazy time since Keto Fest for me. Uh, so it's probably going to be another week, but don't worry. We will get that out to you soon. The next thing I want to say is that after Keto Fest, Julie Bagel, otherwise known as Julie Fox McClure from Fox Hill Kitchens, handed me a, a care package with some fun stuff she's been working on. And if you don't know Fox Hill Kitchens, go to bread.2keto.com and just look around and, and try her stuff. She has the best, I think, uh, keto bread on the market. Um, she has these buns and bagels and all this stuff she's been in our fold community since the very first Keto Fest. Oh, and she actually gave me a code that you can use to get 15% off everything. It's all lowercase keto-buns, B-U-N-Z. So uh, go there for a 15% discount, bread.2keto.com. Use keto-buns. And, and so she gave me this bag of what I can only call cinnamon buns. Think of hamburger buns that aren't split but they're cinnamon, 
and a little sweet. She uses allulose in them. And they had what I thought were raisins in them. But you know what they were? Moon Grove Farms candied rhubarb. Well, I'm jealous, and I'm sitting here wondering, where's Where's mine? mine? (laughs) Yeah, right? And everybody's like, I want it. I want it now. Uh, These were so good. First of all, she got this better quality um, psyllium husk. So the buns aren't so tough. They're softer and toast better. They just are. And and she brought them to Keto Fest and we served hamburgers and cheeseburgers on them. But if you take these cinnamon buns, it's fine if you toast them and put some cream cheese on them. It's like the cinnamon bagel that you haven't had in years. But, But if you use them as savory buns for sandwiches, like tuna sandwiches or burgers or whatever, they're not overly sweet. So they just have that tinge of of sweetness. And and they taste so good. So anyway, she doesn't have a product yet. I just want to tell everybody, watch Fox Hill Kitchens for this product because it's going to blow your mind. They're amazing. Otherwise, um, about a week ago, somebody contacted me and said, hey, are you doing keto coaching? My husband really needs help. And I said, well, you know, I don't I, I'm, I don't really have a lot of time, but I'll meet with you, and you know, once for a fee, and uh, you know, I'll, I'll give you some pointers. So I, m- I met with this woman and her husband, who was in dire need of help, and he had actually been uh, on a ketogenic diet before and lost thirty pounds, and then stalled. And you know, it's the same old story. They do it fine. You stall, you get to a homeostasis. It's very hard. You don't lose any more weight, and you don't know how to break the stall. So I helped him through that, and after four days with my help, he lost an additional 10 pounds, and his blood sugar plummeted. And I don't mean in a bad way. It came down into normal range. So Yay! I'm, yeah, I'm very, very, very happy with that. And, um, and you know, may, perhaps I'd be willing to do this uh, occasionally for people. So if you're... Uh, try if you're stalled and you're trying to get back to some results and the healthy happy keto uh, doesn't appeal to you for some reason you want my personal attention you can email me at carlfranklins.net and like I said I'm, this isn't something that I'm trying to do uh, all the time but you know maybe a few people I can help if I can help you great Carrie and Kim have a great program called happy healthy keto and they'd be more than and and you've had great results with your people too, right? We have. We've we've been stall busting all over the show, so it's that's been great. it's been really really great experience for people. Excellent. All right. Well, that's what we've been doing, and it's only twenty minutes into the show, so <laughs> let's <laughs> just wait till you hear Andrew Scarborough. He's going to blow your mind. But first, let's give away a two keto dudes coffee mug to a lucky member of the Two Keto Dudes fan club, which you can join for free at fanclub.2keto.com. So who is today's winner, Carl? Today's winner is Mark Bravery from Down Under. Yay, Mark. And, you know, I looked in my inbox, and he sent us an email a while ago uh, about something completely unrelated, and he's a self-proclaimed carnivore-loving, pipe-smoking, cheese-glutton registered nurse who is bypassing carbs. Isn't that great? Great. That is awesome. That that's a, that's a great elevator pitch. 
Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, occupation, uh, carnivore-loving, pipe-smoking, cheese-glutton registered nurse. Thank you very much. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> and Mark wins a coffee mug just for being a member of the Two Keto Dudes fan club. And if you don't want to wait to win a coffee mug, you can get one online at gear.2keto.com. All right, Carrie, let me read a, uh, a letter. A letter? Do you have a letter for us? Nope, I've got mail! <laughs> gotcha. All right, so this is from uh, the forum, and it is in a locked um, area. In other words, it's private, so I'm not going to divulge the person's name, and I'm not going to provide a link. I'm just going to read it. And it's my first ketoversary, Thoughts and Lessons Learned. For the first 40 years of my life, I had never any issues with my weight. Thin as a rail, didn't matter what I ate either. That suddenly changed in late 2017. And I know there's people out there, this is commentary, that are going... Oh yeah, that's me. A series of stressful events caused me to put on an extra 25 pounds. That wasn't a big deal to me, but then I found out that I couldn't lose the weight no matter what I did. I had also already cut sugar out of my diet for more than a year earlier, but I still loved my rice and bread and sugar-free. Just didn't seem to be enough. And another commentary... This is pretty common, I think, Carrie, um, that, that people who hear about the evils of sugar and stuff think that they can just stop consuming soft drinks and candy bars and stuff, and, and that's enough. But just because something isn't sweet, like bread, rice, potatoes, people think that, oh, well, it's probably healthy for me, especially if it's natural, right? But that just isn't the case. Was I just too old and that's that, going to keep adding weight into my middle age? I had just achieved a victory in quitting all forms of tobacco, and so I never quite resigned myself to that fate. So last summer, I decided I would go low-carb, cutting out grains and starches in addition to sugars. As you've heard in so many testimonials here, and I never stop finding them amazing to read, I began losing the weight almost immediately. I guess I had expected that, but what I never expected was that I'd get this huge burst of energy. I went for walks and found myself just wanting to keep going, so I did. I went from hating walking my dog to using him as an excuse to take multi-mile hikes every afternoon and weekend. I have since discovered all sorts of new parts of my city on foot. My walking range for basic errands has also expanded exponentially, why take the car there when I can just walk six miles and perhaps Uber it back if necessary? I also found myself with enough energy to take on additional part-time work from home in the evenings. So keto is literally helping me pay off my mortgage early. That's amazing. <laughs> it is great. Keto is not a fad. Nothing that works this well can really be a fad. I'm on what I expect to be a lifelong path. It's perfectly sustainable, and I really don't miss eating off-plan. When I do, it's usually just because I don't want to be the one guy who needs a special meal or won't eat the cake. 
Generally, I'm just pleased to avoid those empty calorie, low nutrient grain foods and garbagey processed foods that used to spike my blood sugar and cause me to crash later. Here are a few lessons I've learned so far. Number one, when I began, I was eating half a pound of spinach every day, a la Dr. Berg, to get my potassium. I was getting so much potassium, in fact, that I never experienced keto flu and carb withdrawal or sickness, whatever you want to call it. But it's just too much work to eat that much veg. Earlier this year, I discovered potassium chloride salt, or new salt, and started putting a small amount of that into each kettle of tea along with regular sea salt. Don't overdo this. Too much potassium can be harmful. I now eat a much more reasonable amount of spinach daily, 114 to 171 grams, with steamed broccoli instead on Fridays. Number two, thanks to a stray Keto Connect video, I discovered that there are organ meats hidden in Whole Foods freezers. Chicken livers, and to a lesser extent, beef livers, both just $4 a pound. These have been absolutely essential in getting all of my nutrients. Lightly sautéed in salt and olive oil, chicken livers taste amazing, and they're so full of bioavailable iron and B12. I only regret that it isn't good for you to eat liver more than once or twice a week. I usually do a quarter of a pound twice a week. Number three, I learned about omega-3 and 6 ratios about three months after I'd started keto. Although I still eat them on occasion, I cut peanuts and sunflower seeds out of my daily regimen and added in ground flax seeds. The results over the next month were quite dramatic. My aches and pains disappeared very fast, including tennis elbow and both arms given to me by the dog I mentioned above. (laughs) I found myself performing and even pulling off lunges and dives to catch baseballs while playing catch with my son that would have caused me injuries a year later. Number four, I figured out eating out in restaurants. The worst case scenario is that I order the bacon cheeseburger without a bun and eat it with a fork and knife. Even at pizza-only places, there's usually a salad with some meat and hard-boiled egg in it. Number five, Trader Joe's started selling 100% dark chocolate with no sweetener. The flavor is bitter to the average palate, but now I find it delicious. I assume it's full of magnesium as chocolate is supposed to be, but I don't have detailed nutrition info. Number six, after a few months of being very strict and going without alcohol, I decided I would cheat for beer and even for a very, very dry cider if it was with friends. Keto is a way of eating, not a religion. More often I drink whiskey. However, I notice that I just don't want it as much or as consistently as I used to. Number seven, I just got back from a recent vacation. Although I always put sunscreen on my nose and ears, I've seen other people get burnt so badly in those two places, but that's all I do. And I'm not sure if I have keto to thank, but I've noticed I've not been burning this summer. I go out of my way to get sun in the early morning and late afternoon hours. And commentary here, you know, we've talked about this. We talked with Dr. Barry about it. We've talked with other people. It seems that the... uh, the omega-6 oils play a role in sunburns, and uh, those in particular, when you get those out of your system, uh, your, your ability to absorb sun without burning increases. Number eight, at first I found myself watching the entire back catalog of videos about keto subjects and reading this forum every day. Now I do less of that, 
I think less about keto. I just do it. Yay. <laughs> That's great. That's where you all want to be. Number nine, I have done time-restricted eating almost all along, but it took me almost a year to get into longer fasts. I never thought I could sleep on an empty stomach. Turns out it wasn't an issue after 10 months of fat adaptation. I recently completed my third monthly 48-hour fast. I ate my last meal on a Friday morning and kept it up through a full Saturday when I was traveling across country by plane. Sunday brunch was delicious and satisfying. I don't plan to do longer fasts, but for now the science seems to point to 48 hours as potentially beneficial in terms of autophagy and longevity, and I haven't experienced any ill effects from it so far. I figure that puts me right on the border fence of the finny-fung controversy, and I'm fine being there. I, I don't know what he's talking about to you. No. No, I have no idea. Number 10, <laughs> no sugar is amazing for your teeth, and maybe so is no grain. I have not been good to my teeth. I recently went to the dentist for a mega cleaning after years of neglect. Although I'd built up a terrible amount of plaque and required three visits for the full cleaning, the dentist looked at my x-rays and told me I had no tooth decay whatsoever and no cavities. He was pretty surprised, to be honest. Number 11, boy, this list is long. <laughs> a relative told me that I'm as calm and even-keeled as she'd ever seen me. I must say, I do feel a degree of mental calm that wasn't there before. The lifting of my mental fog early in keto was what really, really convinced me, beyond all the other benefits, that this is the way humans were meant to eat. My mentality has also improved in other ways. I have spontaneously increased my religious participation praying every day, and even going meatless on Fridays. I must say, not much of a sacrifice to eat Pacific salmon. As for the two prescribed days of fasting that my Catholic faith requires of me annually, it's not even fair anymore. I've started taking greater interest in topics I'd never thought much about, taking advantage of my long walks to listen to podcasts about astronomy and finance and politics and read books on tape. That's audiobooks for you kids. Number 12, and here's the last one. I've never quite figured out the sleep thing. I think I usually get enough. It may also be that I don't need as much because I find myself waking up early. Anyway, that's all I have for you after one year. If you've read this far, or even if you haven't, I wish you the best in all your endeavors. Eat healthy, be excellent to each other, God bless you, and get out in the sun. It's almost as good for you as not smoking. Wasn't that a great email? That is an awesome email. That's almost an entire show on its own. I know, right? And tons of fabulous tips in there. Absolutely. And, and that's just one person in the forum describing what happens after a year. Well, if that doesn't motivate our lovely listeners, I don't know what will. Right. Well, I'm very pleased to have as our guest today, Carrie, one Andrew Scarborough who we've been talking about on this show probably since we first learned that there was a link between diet and cancer. I'm going to let him tell his story, but all I know about him is that he had cancer, he changed his diet, and he doesn't now. And it's been quite a long time. And uh, Andrew, welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you for inviting me onto the podcast. 
And I'm super excited to have someone that talks properly like what I do. (laughs) I try. I try to. (laughs) The Queen's English. All right. Well, I saw on my Facebook feed, there was an article that was done about you standing in front of the Parliament building and you were actually advocating uh, and telling your story and talking about it. So uh, I, I think we should just start at the beginning, at the very beginning for you. And you can tell the Reader's Digest version of your story, but I think it's an important one. Okay. Well, in 2013, I uh, was halfway through a master's in nutritional therapy and I had a massive brain hemorrhage on a train, um, which subsequently led to me being diagnosed with a highly malignant brain tumor and uh, brain tumor-related epilepsy. And um, over the time I was told I should have emergency surgery for that and I should immediately have chemotherapy and radiotherapy after the surgery Mm -hmm. because uh, some disease was left. Um, I had some chemotherapy and radiotherapy but it wasn't working for me and I realized that my tumor was not chemosensitive anyway, so I decided to abandon abandon the the treatments, and I went on a personalized restricted ketogenic diet um, with uh, boswellic acids and uh, hyperbaric oxygen therapy and exogenous ketones and fasting, and I added a mm. bunch of other things, and over time. I was having a type of scan called uh, MR spectroscopy. Um, So you have standard MRI scans, uh, but this one was a a special type of MRI that allows you to view the bioenergetics of the tumor area. So you're able to see what metabolites are being taken up by the tumor. And these are associated with uh, different energy pathways. And it was shown that my highly vascular tumor was also uh, highly glycolytic. So, um, Meaning it, it was fed on sugar, glucose. Primarily, yes. Uh, primarily glucose, but um, potentially also other fuels, but not as much. Um, so this MR spectroscopy scan is a great way of monitor any, monitoring any metabolic therapies. Um, but not many people wow. know about it. So I, one of the things I that didn't. I do is I push for more people to have this type of scan. Is it available everywhere or just in the UK? Um, it's not even really that available in the UK. It's, there's only about a handful of them around. <laughs> um, wow. But I think they're being used a lot more now. Um, not just to determine um, areas of malignancy and what kind of tumor is there, but also for patients with epilepsy and uh, traumatic brain injury, you can see the areas that are most affected and where there's where the symptoms are coming from. So um, for my type of epilepsy that I have, it's called uh, reflex epilepsy. So you can also see... On the on the spectroscopy, you could also identify areas where the seizure activity is coming from. 
but um, mm. I was using it to monitor disease. And over time, with my approaches, or at least it seems that way, um, over time, though, there's nothing to see there. So that's quite interesting. Mm. And also my epilepsy um, became completely controlled when I was able to identify a therapeutic zone of blood ketones and blood glucose that would completely mm. alleviate my symptoms. Um, however, if I diverge from those therapeutic that therapeutic zone that I've established, I immediately have seizure activity. So um, wow. I've managed to. It would took it took about two years to come off the medication, um, and I also used. Um, magnesium chloride a spray under the tongue um, mm -hmm. to uh, control my breakthrough seizures when I my withdrawal seizures when I was coming off the medication because I was on so much of uh, two different anti-epileptic drugs the highest dose you could be on um, wow so yeah <laughs> over time I managed to so, completely come off those but it wasn't easy so let me just establish how far your cancer had progressed before you were able to rein it in. Was it stage four? Was it beyond? Uh, it was. It was a grade three. So with brain tumors, you have well, with the type of brain tumor that I had, which is a glioma, um, you have. Um, it's a type of tumor that um, originates from astrocytes in the brain. Um, okay. The star-like structures. Um, and they have they have these tentacle-like structures that invade into healthy brain tissue. So a grade three is just below grade four, but then there's subclasses sure. of tumor as well. So if you look at the genetic profile of my grade three, it's more in the the poor prognosis end. It was more in the, in the, the bad end, <laughs> let's say. Um, Right, your it, chance of survival wasn't good. No, the genetic profile of the tumor was suggestive of a very poor prognosis and a type of tumor that wouldn't respond to um, the chemotherapeutic agents available or radiotherapy. Right. So that uh, made me kind of upset when I... Conf well, not confronted, but <laughs> when I discussed with my oncologist um, my yeah. findings with, with that and just why I was prescribed um, the chemotherapy and radiotherapy anyway. And they just said, well, mm. we don't have anything else. So even though it's showing that it's not chemosensitive, that's all we have. So why not do it anyway? And I said, why not not do it if there's no real evidence for it? So I have a bunch of questions going right to when you started talking. Um. When you said that you had the brain hemorrhage and you were on the train, first off, I cannot even begin to imagine what that was like going through that. So that was incredible. Did you have epilepsy prior to this or did the epilepsy no. come? You didn't. So you'd had no symptoms. Did you have any other symptoms that you were aware of? Did you have, oh, this was literally something that happened that was just completely out of the blue. You'd had no prior symptoms. You had no idea that this was going to happen. 
Well, I had migraines for about a year before it happened, and I saw my GP about it every few months when it just became so debilitating, and the pressure was building up in my head over many months. And my GP just constantly said it was stress. I was working as a personal trainer at the time. And then I went to do my master's in nutritional therapy because um, I did feel like I was pretty stressed and my symptoms were too much to continue working. So I went to studying. I thought that would... I kind of studied to actually try and find out what was wrong with me. <laughs> um, but, yeah, but because right. of the migraines. And that was your re only real big symptom was migraines? I say yeah, only. And, and a crushing pain in my head that just got worse and worse over time until I had the hemorrhage. So did they not, when, when you first started getting the migraines, did, did they not send you for an MRI? Did they, I mean, what did they do? Did they just say, oh, that's a migraine, take pain meds? Yeah, I was just told it was a migraine and I should take um, medication for it. And, and, and that I should um, not work too much because I was a bit of a workaholic at the time. Do you now, in, in hindsight, have your care team, once the, the hemorrhage happened, did your care team then go back and say, you know, those migraines were a precursor? I mean, did it then show that those migraines were a symptom of what was happening that eventually turned into a brain hemorrhage and epilepsy? Do you mean after or before the hemorrhage? Yeah, no, after. You're, you're, you're once the hemorrhage happened and they started to try and kind of unravel – did they were they able to, or did they think to go back and link that those the start of those migraines with with what eventually turned into a brain hemorrhage, or are they still completely separate? Uh, yeah, it was definitely from what eventually became the hemorrhage, yeah, and uh, it nearly killed me. So mm. I was lucky to survive that. Right, and um, mm -hmm. after that, I had quite horrific grand mal seizures, which I'm lucky to be alive from now. So do you know what the, and I have migraines and I've had migraines since I was 16, um, but do they know the, the mechanics of the, the pain, the migraine, what was actually happening that was causing the pain and why you now have epilepsy? What, what changes, what was the pain indicative of? Do you know what was happening? Um, it was just the inflammation in the tumor growing at a very quick rate. It was highly vascular. So my initial diagnosis was an arteriovenous malformation, uh, which is a tangle of um, blood vessels around the arteries in the brain, um, major arteries in the brain. But thankfully then they said it's not that, it's a cavernous hemangioma which is just, it's, in a, it's a tangle of abnormal blood vessels in the brain, but it's not as fatal as a, an AVM is, an arteriovenous malformation. But then eventually I had the brain tumor diagnosis, but they couldn't determine that's what it was because it was so vascular and it's not a good thing to have a, a tumor that's so vascular because that's how it gets its nutrient supply it just proliferates more uh with greater vascularity it's hanging out where the f where the fuel is so in your case the pain the migranous pain was caused by swelling uh yeah and the tumor just getting bigger and more vascular 
and they could they couldn't identify that it was a tumor because there was just so much blood they couldn't really see anything on on scans so they i i had to wait i had to wait about a week um in hospital having the, all these seizures um just so that the the blood could dissipate um so that they could actually operate but in that time it was touch and go so <laughs> Um, thankfully, I had that operation, but due to the misdiagnosis, um, I they didn't get as much as they wanted to out. But in a way, that's a good thing because I could have had quite debilitating disabilities from that. And I'm just curious how that week where you were in the hospital and you were having all these seizures and they were, you know, trying to have get the blood to dissipate so they could see what was going on. How aware? were you of everything that was going on? I mean, sitting here now listening to you, it must have been unbelievably can't imagine. Fri- frightening. I mean, I just can't even imagine what that was like. But how aware of that were you? I was definitely aware, but I was also extremely confused and uh, just feeling like, because I could feel each seizure coming on, I just felt like I wasn't going to wake up every time. So when I did, it was just a state of confusion. And I had all these doctors around me and my family the whole time. So it was a very strange, it's a very strange thing to look back on just because it was so traumatic. What's really interesting about your story is how it correlates with Mark Miller's um, story about the therapies that he used. Uh, the very first show we did on cancer, which was one of the first 20, I think. I can't remember the number now, but we'll post a link to it. Uh, he was researching all the science that was done. And I think Dom D'Agostino was in there and Thomas Seyfried was in there. And they found that the combination of a, a strict ketogenic diet, um, hyperbaric oxygen therapy, and exogenous ketones together had the most effect on shrinking tumors and uh, of any of these therapies by themselves or in other combinations. Um, is that the science that you were researching as well? And is that why you chose those therapies? Yeah, I was actually quite fortunate because when I was doing my master's in nutritional therapy before I was diagnosed, we had a lecture on the ketogenic diet. And it was mentioned that there was some evidence suggesting that it could have a benefit for brain tumors. And I laughed it off at the time. Mm. (laughs) Um, But because I had epilepsy afterwards from my diagnosis, I decided to use the diet to try and have less, either have less or less frequency or less severity of the seizures because... Right. I got to the stage where I was on so much medication that it was altering my my mood to the point where there's one point where I overdosed on my medication on purposely because it was just horrific. I was wow. having seizures on all the medication and I was bedbound. So and epilepsy, it wasn't much fun. Epilepsy obviously is what they used the ketogenic diet to treat originally, mm-hmm. wasn't it? Yeah, but for brain tumor-related epilepsy, when you speak to a neurologist about it they 
just laugh at you and say there's no evidence for that it's not going to help you it's for it's only useful for right. children with drug resistant epilepsy but for me it's had profound mm. benefits to the point where I, I not only got my life back but i decided to go back and study and become a cancer researcher focusing on brain cancer so and just for the record how many medications have you come off of and how many are still on um so i came off all of my medication I was on all of it. Yeah, uh, over the course of two years, it, that took me, and I'm now six and a half years after my diagnosis. Um, but the with the epilepsy, it's a constant thing, so I'm constantly managing it. Sure, um, but I can be more relaxed on my ketogenic diet now, which is very interesting. Initially, interesting. I had to personalize it to the point where. I was constantly on a four-to-one ketogenic diet um, that eventually became a carnivorous ketogenic diet because mm -hmm. I had so many um, reactions to foods where I would have a seizure after eating common ketogenic foods like avocados and coconut oil. And wow. I thought, how is this possible? Because these are what you should be eating on a ketogenic diet. So mm. I just excluded different foods and then I noticed that all my symptoms completely went away um, from this exclusion diet and then I was looking at in the literature and I found that there's such a thing as an oh, it's called an oligoantigenic diet for epilepsy and it's just essentially an exclusion diet so I would have termed my ketogenic diet as an oligoantigenic ketogenic diet you just it's interesting how there are some forms of epilepsy where it seems like they don't necessarily need to be ketogenic. It's more about the foods that they're eating. So if they exclude certain foods that seem to trigger them kind of like an allergy, they don't have seizures anymore. Right. That's fascinating. Absolutely fascinating. I, I'm, and you, I, I've been so overwhelmed with, with your whole story that I may have missed this. <laughs> But w at what point do you remember what it was that made you go, kind of, you know, this is BS. I'm going to go start looking at other things because this isn't working or, or I'm not getting better or you're still giving me this prognosis of death. Like at what point do you, was there one thing that made you go, I'm going to be my own detective and I'm going to figure this thing out because I no longer have faith in, in what, traditional medicine is telling me to do i think it was i was on a ketogenic diet anyway just to because the seizures were horrific right and after my overdose and waking up in hospital um because i went for a long sleep after that <laughs> um i haven't actually told anyone about that so it'd be interesting i told a couple of people but i'm happy to share hmm. um because the medication can completely mess with your head especially epilim i was on epilim which very few even very few very few brain tumor patients with epilepsy are on because it just messes up your mood but um the reason i was on that mm -hmm. was because my other medication that i was on kepra wasn't effective so they added the epilim um but after my overdose i um actually became more determined to try and uh, 
optimize the diet, if you like, or to come off the medication because I was just so fed up. So uh, I gradually did it over time where because my neurologist wanted me to increase my medication instead of decrease it, I was uh, I was being monitored after my overdose. So I had I pretended to take my medication for a while and just hid it under my tongue. <laughs> it's uh, it's really more complicated than just eat keto, isn't it? I'm <laughs> I follow you on Facebook, and every once in a while I see you ranting ab- about people. Or maybe it was just once I saw somebody was just saying, "Yeah, all you have to do is eat keto, and your cancer will go away." And you were like, "No, it's not that simple." It, and I, and I think we do this, don't we? We we look for those panaceas. We look for do this, don't do that, and everything will be fine. And uh, I mean, it's been a real struggle for you, not just to figure this stuff out, but the foods you can eat that you can't eat, um, titrating off of medications. It hasn't been easy. No, and I was always very negative about it. I always went into things thinking it's not going to work, but I'll try it because. I'm sick of just being bedbound, <laughs> which I was at the time. Yeah. But gradually I saw these improvements. Um, and the biggest improvement I saw was when I added uh, magnesium um, mm. into the mix. And that was from looking at, initially it was from looking at the def- nutritional deficiencies that the uh, anti-epileptic yeah. drugs was causing me. And also, I think most of us have a magnesium deficiency. Yeah, but um, it's compounded by the fact that these anti-epileptic drugs will cause you to have further deficiencies in not only magnesium but also calcium and B vitamins and vitamin D and other things. So I supplemented with those things. Apart from the calcium, I didn't supplement Mm. with that um, because you get enough anyway, and that can cause problems if you supplement with it. Um, but I investigated, um, because I, I wanted a very bioavailable form of magnesium. I tried a few and they didn't seem to have any effect on me. Um, apart from magnesium citrate that just made me poo, (laughs) which is, it's not really what I wanted, but, um, so I discovered through looking at, um, pregnancy, actually looking at, uh, preeclampsia where these, uh, women get, uh, seizures when they're think that when they're about to give birth and um it's quite a common thing but they use magnesium sulfite i think sulfate and um i looked into bioavailable forms of magnesium and i discovered um that if you have magnesium chloride under the tongue uh kind of like nitroglycerin for if you've got a heart problem it can Mm. uh bypass first pass metabolism and it actually gets to the central nervous system quite quickly. So it acts as a central nervous system depressant. So whenever I had an aura, which is a warning that I'm about to have a seizure, I would have a few sprays of the magnesium chloride under my tongue and it would reverse my seizure activity. And I found that just That's amazing. a huge revelation. So I added that into the mix. And then I also found that it w- it was keeping my blood glucose lower and uh, making me more calm mm. and my sleep was better as well so i found that i was able to stay in my therapeutic zone a lot easier when i was um taking the magnesium regularly 
That's, it, That's it's fascinating. And, and I know I didn't have a brain tumor, but, you know, I've had my own issues. And, and what Carl was saying about, um, you know, it's not just keto. And, and I, I find the same thing is that for me, my bipolar two disorder, it wasn't just keto. There were, there were other things that I had to do that were, you know, unique to me that I had to do in my case, methylated B vitamins, as well as keto. I had uh, Lyme disease last year and a lot of people will tell you, oh, if you're just keto, you'll be fine. But, but keto doesn't mm. actually st- kill the spirochetes it doesn't stop the lime it it makes the symptoms a lot of the symptoms go away but it because there's no sugar you know to feed the bacteria but it's not just keto there there was other things that i had to do in in the same way as you did you know just keto wasn't enough there's other things and so i just i think this your story is just such a great example of how we we shouldn't just think that keto cures everything on its own. Keto is magical. We're all on it. We love it. it it's caused huge um, advances in our, our health, but you can't just stop there. Yeah. And also there's no such thing as the ketogenic diet. There are ketogenic diets, You're but right. there's no the ketogenic diet. The ketogenic diet for... Yeah. Cancer management that's used in animals is a four to one ketogenic diet, and when I see what does that mean? So it's uh, four parts fat and one part protein and carbs. Protein by weight, yeah, yeah, or by calories, kind of both. <laughs> so <laughs> it it would be about say, and it would be about eighty to ninety percent fat. Mm. And uh, the rest would be protein and carbs, mm. which uh, a lot of people who have who have cancer who try it aren't doing a four to one ketogenic diet. Um, I did it. I did it for a couple of years, four to one, and I just lost so much weight. <laughs> Initially, it was fine, but over time, I just. I lost so much weight that it was difficult to even carry my legs. <laughs> I was trying to walk up hills mm. and I could barely manage it. And I was fasting too much. I got addicted to fasting. So um, mm. that was challenging, especially with the type of epilepsy I have. It's termed reflex epilepsy. So there's always a uh, an external cause usually. And um, mm. so it's a stimulus response kind of um kind of epilepsy where there's always a trigger um and when i did extended fasts i would have to be very careful with my electrolytes uh, to not have a seizure so what did what did four to one look like what did you what, what did you eat when you were on four to one i was mainly eating um a, a, a few whole eggs and then a bunch of egg yolks <laughs> and and the eggs had to have mm. orange yolks because they're more yeah. nutritious and delicious yeah <laughs> they are they taste better as well and i can have them raw yeah, they do. so it tastes better nice can you tell us a little bit about your um activism and uh speaking at parliament and all of the other ways that you are sort of leading the charge and trying to get the word out about uh, how diet and nutrition is good for seizures and cancer management yeah so 
when I got when I started studying, I had the opportunity to uh, be in an article for uh, New Scientist magazine, and I guess that's kind of how it started. And after when I um, got further into into my studies, I uh, paired with brain tumor research because my hospital where I'm at now, the oncologist I see is very supportive of metabolic therapies and he um, works closely with the charity Brain Tumor Research. And Brain Tumor Research Mm. is one of the, it's just about the only cancer charity I know of that is putting the majority of their funds into metabolic therapies. I wish I'd known about them straight after my diagnosis. Um, But I had to get to the point where I went to a ketogenic diet conference in uh, a year after my diagnosis. Um, I was on a ketogenic diet for almost a year at that point. Was that PHC? Uh, No, it was uh, a conference that's organized every year with the Charlie Foundation and Matthew's Friends, which is the equivalent in this country. Oh, yeah. And Matthew's Friends... uh, increasingly are seeing patients with uh, brain tumors now. And the way that they got into the brain tumor sphere, if you like, is um, that a significant amount of brain tumor patients have epilepsy. And I guess it's the same kind of thing with the um, cancer research that um, Dom D'Agostino is doing, that it's because it originates from epilepsy and brain cancer patients have epilepsy so that's a Mm. way that it's it seems to have gotten into that space which is a good thing in a way and I've always seen my epilepsy as a good thing because of that and so over time I've uh, represented the charity brain tumor research um, in by my own story and my own research and they're actually helping to fund my uh project that I'm doing in September, which is related to the ketogenic diet. It's looking at a new type of exogenous ketone, which I can't really say much about, but I'm really excited about it because we're looking at the epigenetic changes that occur. And uh, with this this new exogenous ketone product, it's... uh, it's it it seems to be very potent and very tolerable and it's likely that we may be using it in a ketogenic diet clinical trial that's coming up in January for both low and high grade gliomas at Charing Cross Hospital mm. in the UK um and i'm excited about that because it's not only for high grade gliomas it's also low grade and for low grade you often if it's inoperable they have a a course of treatment which isn't treatment at all called uh, watch and wait. So you just watch and wait (laughs) until the tumor starts to grow. (laughs) And uh, I just always think you could Hmm. be proactive while you're watching and waiting. It's not a very, you know, it's not a very, uh, what would the the word be? It doesn't make you very enthusiastic about, what's going to happen you're just watching and waiting until this ticking time bomb in your head is going to activate itself but um and as you said there's just a lot of people that and doctors that don't get it and 
and don't think that it's worth it and still continue to feed cancer patients mashed potatoes and other crappy foods that are just feeding the cancer. Do you, um, and every once in a while you hear people like, you know, the metabolic theory is bunk, a couple of stories here and there, but I imagine that you probably attract a lot of cancer patients who have been successful in controlling uh, tumors and cancer and seizures with this therapy. Uh, Do you you have any way to quantify like how many success stories you may have heard? Uh, I've heard quite a few now. (laughs) And uh, we have a group now, just a a patient group where we just, uh, it's a few of us doing this and we meet each other and just chat about our experiences and uh, have keto meals together and it's 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 strange because it's a group of young people we're all around the same age similar kinds of tumors uh, people yeah. have different opinions about why that might be why it's always around people around the same age and um what 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 might the causes have been but um I do know quite a few people. Most notably, I have a, a friend called uh, Pablo. You might have heard of him, Pablo Kelly. Oh yeah, he had um. Yep. Yeah. And Thomas Seyfried talks about him too. Yeah, he. But I also know a few other cases whereby patients have had an inoperable glioblastoma, and over time, either the tumor has become operable. Or mm. if it is operable and they go on a fast, an extended fast um, after being on a ketogenic diet for a while before surgery, the tumor is easier to remove because it's become, mm. the, the margins have become more clearly defined because um, it's an anti it's an anti-angiogenic um, kind of therapy, if you like. So... Mm. It's mm-hmm. a lot easier for the surgeons to remove the tumor. So, yeah, I've seen a few cases. Have you got any idea or has anyone floated any theories around why you, what caused the tumor, why that happened? Well, the theory for mine is that initially it was a cavernous hemangioma, which isn't a tumor, it's a cluster of normal blood vessels. But over time, it uh, underwent malignant transformation. So over time, it became a tumor. But initially, it was just... So we don't really know why. It could have been there for many years just as this mass that's of abnormal blood vessels in the brain. Mm. Do we know why it would have become malignant? Or theories as to why, what, what, what process causes that? Is it environmental? Is, was it food? Was it? Do we know? Probably a combination of many things, including stress and um, mm-hmm. the fact that I was doing a job where I was just nonstop. I was a personal trainer and nutritional therapist, and I stayed up too late and I was working out too much. And um, the whole idea at the time was carving up, and I did lots of um, endurance events, um, just doing too much exercise. And too much artificial light, which is not why now I'm very keen on optimizing my light environment. Even though I've got a filter on my computer, I wear blue light blockers and 
um, I make sure that when it's time for bed, I go to bed (laughs) and uh, I make sure I spend as much time outside as I can. So it sounds like to me from what you've said that that, that there's lots of factors, but that stress is a big thing that we should all be managing. Definitely. It's a no brainer, but (laughs) I think uh, it's well documented. It's, you know, it's um, neuroinflammation. So if you're, you're accumulating uh, these free radicals in your brain all the time during the day, and then when you sleep, that's where you have all these repair processes that kind of clears that out. Um, and I So basically, if you're eating pizza, Mountain Dew, stressed out, and not getting any sleep, <laughs> that's probably a recipe for disaster. Probably. <laughs> Yeah. But also, I was always bashing my head as a when as a child. So, yeah, uh, I did a lot of mountain biking and uh, a lot uh, skiing and uh, running around and climbing on roofs and jumping off them. So, hmm. so uh, physical physical head trauma. Yeah, it's a possibility because <laughs> um, it's kind of like a bleed on the brain, I guess. So I don't know. Right. Andrew, I, I would love to talk to you for another two hours, but we're just out of time. So I just got to say thank you so much and for being an inspiration to us all. Absolutely. In how to persevere and do your own research and and get it done. You, you're amazing. Thank you, Absolutely. sir. Absolutely. This has been mind-blowing and fascinating and awesome. And I can't tell you how glad we are that you're still here to share this with us because just your story right here could change the lives of potentially thousands and thousands of people i hope so i I just i can't thank you enough that's why i do it even though i'm an introvert (laughs) thanks again andrew well carrie uh it wasn't very difficult to hear how blown away you were by andrew's story I could have carried on talking to Andrew for a week. Yeah. Now, you had known about him, right? I'd, I'd known about him. I'd, I'd seen his name around a lot, but I hadn't actually dived into mm. the, the the mechanics, the, like the detail that we got into with him. I, I just knew he had a brain tumor and, and that he fixed it with keto. And, of course, there's a lot more to it than that. But yeah. Absolutely fascinating. I will never forget this interview. Yeah, he's a true hero. And and he's just one, like he says, he's attracted this community of people who have done the same thing. And um, and uh, it, it, it's just, if you have cancer, uh, first of all, we're very sorry that it had to happen to you. But second of all, if you're not cutting sugar and starch, you're just fueling it. And I'm not saying don't do anything else, but... But that should be the first thing that you do. Cut the sugar and the starch because it's cancer fuel, kids. And if you know anyone who has cancer, please share this episode with them for no other reason that it will give them hope that this is no longer a death sentence. Oh, on to more delicious things, Carrie. You have a... um, a, uh, recipe for us, do you I I do have a recipe, yep. You have a, a recipe? Yep. A recipe. Okay. Let's hear your uh, recipe. Okay. It's a very. What is your recipe? 
I feel like sweaty balls, Con. <laughs> like it's gonna like the NPR. What is your recipe, Carrie? It's um it's a very quick and easy recipe. It's also a okay. very yummy recipe, and this might just be your new favorite put it on anything sauce. Great. Uh, you can make it in minutes from stuff you probably already have in your kitchen, and you can use it to start up your salad, gussy up your poached salmon fillet. Oh, this isn't your green goddess dressing, is it? It is. Oh, my God. This is amazing. Or you can use it to top off your sautéed shredded cabbage alongside your juicy pork chops or your ribeye. You can or put it on anything. Anything. So, mm. green goddess dressing. You're going to need half a cup or four fluid ounces of Greek yogurt. You're going to need half a cup, four fluid ounces of sour cream. You're going to need a tablespoon of lime juice, a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar. Make sure you get the good stuff with the mother in it. Mm. You're going to need half an ounce or 15 grams of fresh parsley. So just grab one of those great big bunches you can get for 99 cents. You're going to need four large fresh basil leaves, half an ounce or 15 grams of scallions, which are the same as green onions, which are the same as spring onions, depending on where you live, a quarter of a teaspoon of your Redmond real salt, and a quarter of a teaspoon of ground black pepper. Oh my God, Redmond real salt. <laughs> we we got to p- call them out because they were so blown away by Keto Fest. They had no idea what we were doing and they want to they wanna provide all the salt next year, right? All the salt for all the things. All right. Sorry to waylay you there. Go oh, ahead. no. Redmond real salt is worth what getting waylaid for. Mm. So what you're going to do is you're going to put the yogurt and the sour cream in a blender and blend well, and then you're going to add everything else, your lime juice, apple cider vinegar, parsley, basil, onion, sea salt, and pepper to the blender and blend until completely smooth and green. Mm. And boy, howdy, is it green? Boy, howdy. (laughs) You are going to keep the leftover dressing, if there is any, in an airtight jar, and you're going to pop it in the fridge. Couple of notes, buy the lowest sugar yogurt you can find. Like peak yogurt? Like peak yogurt, The lowest sugar one might turn out to be a fat-free one, and that's okay because you can always add the fat back in the form of a little heavy cream if you need to. Yeah. The other thing you could do is if you find that you have to get a Greek yogurt which is low-fat or fat-free in order to get the lowest sugar, you could also switch out the sour cream for creme fraiche because creme fraiche has a much higher percentage of fat in it than mm. does sour cream. So that's another switch you could do to keep the fat high and, and keep the flavor profile in the same place. And is creme fraiche as low carb as sour cream? It is. Wow, cool. It just has more fat. Yeah, great. And it's a different flavor. It's a bit of a mild flavor. It's a lot mm-hmm. thicker and a lot richer And it typically has nothing in it but cream, whereas sour creams, particularly in the US, can have all sorts of other things in it to thicken it or whatever. So Carrageenan, whatever. Right. So if you do want to fatten this recipe up, switch out the sour cream for creme fraiche. Okay. You can also use lemon juice instead of lime if you have that on hand, but of course you will get a bit of a different flavor but 
easy to whip up in five minutes. Keep it in your fridge, pour it on everything, and um, and you will have a tastier life. Nice. Well, Carrie, thank you very much for that. And uh, that concludes this episode of Two Keto Do's. If you have anything you want to tell us, something we said wrong, something that you don't agree with, or some more research that you found to support or refute anything we've said, send it by email to dudes at twoketodudes.com. And you can follow us on Twitter, Twitch, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Two Keto Dudes. Make sure you use the hashtag Two Keto Dudes. And of course, if you want to join the free ketogenic forum, it's forum.2keto.com. And you can have a look around that forum without having to create an account by starting with success.2keto.com, where you can read all the success stories from our listeners and our readers. Go get some inspiration. Also, check out our Facebook group, The Keto Kitchen, if Facebook is your thing. And if you feel like supporting our forums and all the podcasts we produce, please consider making a monthly pledge on our Patreon page at patreon.2keto.com. For those of you who pledge $20 or more per month, you will have access to an exclusive Facebook group, 2 Keto Dudes Gold. And thank you to all of our Patreons. We truly appreciate every penny that we get from you. We also have a free Facebook fan page at fb.2keto.com, so go follow us there. And you can see our podcasts and other videos, like the Keto Fest videos, for example, on YouTube at youtube.2keto.com. Also, we have an Amazon affiliate store. You can buy your favorite keto ingredients and devices by going to amazon.2keto.com, and at the same time, you can help us out. We would love you to be involved in helping us build the most awesome keto community and you can do that by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts because that's how a lot of new people get to know about our keto community. Plus, Mm. plan on attending Keto Fest in Connecticut in the fall of 2020 because the community that is built there is absolutely incredible. Just head to ketofest.com to get all the latest information. Two Keto Dudes is brought to you by Two Keto LLC, who strives to support the low-carb community with podcasts and other publications. Now listen up, kitties. Keep calm and keto on. That's right, Carl. Keep calm and keto on. All right, we'll see you next time on Two Two Keto Keto Dudes. Dudes.